Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 133 of the podcast. It's the 18th of July, 2018, as I record this intro. This week on the podcast, I speak with Beatrice Montavani. I've known Bea online in unschooling circles for quite a few years, and she's even translated some of my blog posts into French. We have a really interesting conversation as we dive into the twists and turns of their unschooling lives, including how she came across unschooling, her biggest de-schooling challenge, navigating learning to read, how technology weaves into their days, the ups and downs of extended travel, being trilingual and exploring languages with children, and much more. As a personal update this week, I'm busily working away, getting ahead of things over the next few days so I can relax and dive into some fun days off when Lissy's visiting next week. If you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen pics I took of the three kids, including Lissy, when we were out hiking the other day, but that was just a stopover. Right now, she's off visiting one of her close friends for a few days. I definitely enjoy the challenge of a deadline when it's combined with anticipation of lots of fun. (laughs) And as a community update, I was so excited to receive an audio message this week from Katerina. Let's have a listen. Hello, uh, my name is Katerina and I live in North Wales. I want to share with you a story that happened a few years ago when my little boy was only three. Uh, There was a steam train coming through town, <clears throat> the flying Scotsman. So we went to the train station. There was a bit of a crowd, people waiting, and uh, there was a bustling atmosphere. It was really nice. And the train wasn't stopping in our town. It was just passing through. But being a steam train, I was hoping that it's going to be slow and it was very fast and we'll be able to have a proper look. Um, so we waited and waited, and when the train came, it was really, it was like a normal train. It came and went really fast. Uh, so I personally was a little bit disappointed. But anyway, went home and a few months later, we started watching Harry Potter and the opening scene with the steam train going to Hogwarts, I think. And my little boy, being only three, said, Oh, mom, we've seen that train, haven't we? Do you remember when we went to the train station? And uh, at that moment, I... um it really dawned on me that everything really matters, everything, all the small things we do and say, children do remember and stay with them and they make connections. And yeah, that was all I wanted to share. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for sharing, Katerina. Children really do pick up and connect so many of the things going on around them, don't they? It's beautiful to see them in action. <laughs> and I haven't mentioned that lately, have I? If you have an unschooling-related story or aha moment, I'd love to hear it and share it on the podcast with our community of unschooling explorers. Just go to the main podcast page on my website, livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast, and scroll down a bit until you see the microphone icon. 
Just plug in your mic and click the start recording button. I would love to hear your stories. And last but never least, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons, Sophia Smith, Fran Borg, Jamie Scharf, and to John Day for the thoughtful one-time donation. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support my unschooling work, like this podcast on my website, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Bea. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Bea Montavani. Hi, Bea. Hi. Hi. I have known Bea online in unschooling circles for quite a few years now and she's actually even uh, translated some of my blog posts into French, right? Yes. Yes. I really enjoyed uh, the glimpses into their unschooling lives that she's shared both on her blog and on social media. And to get us started, Bea, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Uh, yeah. So I'm Bea. It's short for Beatrice. <laughs> and um, I'm from France. And uh, my husband, Tobias, is from Germany, East Germany, actually. And we have two daughters, Linnea, who will be 13 in September, and Xenia, who, will, who is nine. And we now live in um, in Quebec, in near Montreal, in Quebec. Oh, cool, cool. So, how did you discover unschooling, and what did your family's move to unschooling look like? Uh, well, I discovered unschooling when I was um, researching home birth, <laughs> when I was pregnant <laughs> with um, with Linnea, my first daughter. So, I. Um, I think, well, I can't remember if I discovered unschooling or just homeschooling at that point. But anyway, I read, I was reading a book about alternative uh, parenting, basically. <laughs> and she went from like home birth to attachment parenting and then alternative schools. And then at the end, there was homeschooling, like different methods of homeschooling. And at the end of that was um, unschooling. Huh. And so I thought about it a lot. Like I, you know, all of these appealed to me and then like, but like, and I kept on thinking and thinking and, you know, then I had my baby and I kept on reading and like, I found uh, unschooling um, um, Yahoo groups and Sandra's website and all that. And so and like by, you know, by the time uh, my, my uh, Linnea was six months old, I think I was sold. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was, uh, and it took a while longer for my husband to get, to be sold. But since, you know, she was six months old, she was a baby and he was already sold on attachment parenting and all that. So that wasn't a problem. And then, you know, it kind of like the proof was in the pudding. Once I was doing the stuff and, you know, she was growing up, you know, as a toddler and I, we were doing lots of fun things. And my husband um, was like, was, um, like became completely on board very quickly but he's um so at first he had a great experience in school so he he told me well why would you deprive her of school yeah (laughs) and but then uh you know when he saw that she was uh, developing normally she was very social and she was learning lots then then he's not somebody who um he's somebody who's very confident 
like self-confident and I think like this extends to his children <laughs> so once he saw <laughs> so once he saw that it was great and his children were you know speaking <laughs> talking like normally he, was, <laughs> he, he is completely like a, he is he's a huge advocate of unschooling too even though he doesn't have like the theory as much as I do because he doesn't like read as much as I do I I tend to read everything and maybe too much even <laughs> but that's the way that I that I uh, process things is by researching and researching and researching and um, so so yeah he's the big advocate even though he doesn't like get the, <laughs> the theory as much um, but um, so yeah I didn't really like have trouble <laughs> getting into it because it evolved <laughs> from uh, from um, attachment right. care attachment. and I think my biggest problem was that like I was impatient and I was like, okay, so when, when does the stage of them asking me questions start? <laughs> and I had to like pace myself and I, I tend to be pretty impatient as a person too. And I had to be like, okay, it's normal. You know, I can't expect results and I can't expect them to like grow up faster than they are. And like <laughs> everything will come. And, but I, that was, and I started my blog really early and at first it was just me like pondering how is it going to go and you know am i doing the right thing and all of that and then you know by the time she was 3 um i was posting photos of what we were doing and i mm-hmm. felt like okay now now i'm really unschooling well not really unschooling but you know we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> oh that's so interesting and you know you make a, a really great point because that is part of de-schooling, I think, isn't it, is realizing how individual our children are. And when we're looking for things that we've heard about or we've read about, um, we have to get to, kind of have to get to a point often where we, um, those, those can become expectations, can't they? And, and we have to release those and see the actual child that's busily living in front of us, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was that's actually always a, a difficult part for me that I still I'm still de-schooling on is that like I read things and I have expectations. I mean, some of them are expectations from what I read. Some of them are expectations from other you know other tapes I have in my head. But, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. And the other point that jumped out at me when you were talking about your husband's um, self confidence. I think that is that's a cool observation because that helped him to recognize not only did he recognize what was going on like with his children he was seeing that they were learning and talking and they were just like normal kids right but to have that self confidence to be able to say okay this is going to work too even though it goes against the grain that was that might have been a big piece for him was it yeah definitely and he's like and the great thing about this is that now I'm, I'm somebody who doubts, like who questions myself a lot. And he really tends to, in my opinion, sometimes. <laughs> but it's good because it's a balance because, he'll, you know, when I question myself, then he'll come and tell me, like, you know, he's, it's OK. She's doing OK. Like, you don't have to worry. It's going fine. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Like you said, he's more so of an advocate now so he um can balance you and help you talk through things that's really helpful isn't it <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm really lucky that you know I have him and that we have very different personalities because I think if I had had a husband like me who questions 
himself <laughs> a lot. It would have been um, a lot harder in terms of de-schooling. Yeah, yeah, because you would have gotten kind of gotten each other caught in that spiral, that questioning spiral, right? And then it's then it is harder to work your way out of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the common uh, questions that people have as they learn about unschooling is, <laughs> but how will they learn how to read? <laughs> right? I, I have heard that really often and, and can totally understand where they're coming from. You know, once they learn how to read, then I'll be able to fully unschool, right? So I'd love to hear your perspective on the process of children learning to read, both, you know, philosophically and how it's playing out in your unschooling lives right now. Okay. Well, so it's really interesting because <laughs> um, uh, I was sold on like, well, I had a, I have a brother who's uh, slightly younger than me and I read uh, when I was in school, but I read very fast. When I, I was six, I went into the equivalent of, of grade one in France and within two months I was reading and I was, you know, reading novels at the back of the class while the other kids were like deciphering words. Mm -hmm. uh, but my brother um, uh, had a lot of trouble learning to read. He repeated second grade because he couldn't read enough. And then he really probably um, started reading when like fluently when he was around 10, I would say. So I had seen the damage that it did to him. And, and I think like, because of that, you know, his self-confidence is still like lower than it should be because he's very intelligent. But I think he might be dyslexic because he has a lot of trouble spelling and stuff. But at the time, you know, especially in France, like people weren't diagnosed. And anyway, like, so, I mean, but my brother was a teacher. So it's like, she helped him and everything. And it still like, didn't help. And then, you know, and when he read, he read, but, and like, so I like, I had already that experience and in my mind I was like, well, obviously, you know, kids in school don't all read at the same time and like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, creates a lot of damage. So, so all that, but then, you know, I read really fast. So like in theory, I was all aboard, but like I kind of expected my children to read, to read early like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so up until my daughter, my, uh, so Linnea was around, was around, seven or eight I really like she wasn't reading and it didn't bother me and it was okay but then um um then it was started worrying me a little bit but um we so because uh Tobias is German and I'm French and I speak to them in English my kids uh which <laughs> is another topic yeah, <laughs> yeah. Another we'll topic. get there <laughs> but um you know I was also and you know people were telling me like I was like, well, you you speak three languages, like, you know, you read three languages. We read to them in, in all three languages, even though, like, mostly in English. So, you know, I was like, okay, fine. And then um, then we moved a bit closer to my dad. And so, and, like, when, when Linnea was eight, and um, he started finding out because we do, we don't see him he doesn't live in in Canada so we don't see him very often he he found out that she wasn't reading because you know she'd come and ask me what does it say what does it say what does yeah. it say <laughs> multiple times like it's not like I advertised it but you know he figured it out and um, and you know she wasn't uh, embarrassed about it because to yeah. her it was normal and <laughs> so so he was uh, concerned and so I explained it to him and uh, and um, 
to my surprise, I was actually like, well, to my surprise, because I'm very nervous when I talk to my dad, I would like made a pretty articulate case of like, you know, it's not like I'm preventing her from reading, like I'm doing all the things that I should do. Well, short of giving her lessons, <laughs> but like, you know, I read to her all the time and like I answer questions and whatever. And like, I've read lots of things and people. So, so, uh, so he said, okay. And he like stopped asking me, but I think because of that, I got like nervous. And when we got back, so he, um, when we got back to our house after the visit, um, I, I thought, well, maybe I need to give her information. <laughs> so I sat her down and I started like showing her, you know, uh is cat and her is hat but um she didn't get it she didn't make any sense to her and i tried that for a few days and like one day it just ended up you know in tears and i said okay that is not what i want to do so i let it go and then a year later i went back to my dad's house and like i don't know what he said but like when i got back to my house i tried a little bit again and same thing i said okay never mind I let it go and then we did some traveling um um we were in australia at the time and then we went back to canada we like took a big trip and um and in that time space she figured out how to read but not completely fluently but she figured it out like enough that she could now you know read chat like chat with her friends online and whatever so um so i was like well that's that's awesome but i had um i had read a lot of places i mean a lot of uh examples of kids who got it like you know didn't read didn't read didn't read and then they got it and they got it and that was it but she was like reading but not fluently and i don't know again it could be my expectations and um that were off (laughs) but anyway like i hadn't any examples of people who like who kids read late and then and it still, you know, and it clicked, but it didn't click all the way. And then it took them a while longer to figure it out. And that was hard. And it's still kind of hard for me, although now I've made my peace with it. But like, there was another, like another time after that, where I was like, because we're in Quebec, and there were new regulations going on. And I was getting very nervous that I needed to show that I had tried something. <laughs> because by now she was uh, 11. And she, no, she was 12. <laughs> she was 12 and she was reading, but she wasn't reading fluently. And she was like, we, she loves novels. So I read to her a lot. Uh, like we read Harry Potter. We almost at the end of, uh, of uh, book seven. Uh, but she can't read or she doesn't want to read that by herself. I don't know. I mean, I think if she wanted to, she could sit there and, but you know, it's better. And I, I, I admit I'd like it. I like you know, that we take the time and read together, like just before bed. Well, when like, just before we go to sleep, we read together and it's our like together time. It's awesome. So I like, it's fine (laughs) with me, but like, um, it's, it's still, um, because of, of the, well, because I tend to worry (laughs) and because of the political climate, I was like, I need to show something. So I signed us up for a while for like a program for dyslexics to um you know to and but I she you know she agreed that like to try it and it wasn't something that I forced or anything but like um the program was tedious and I think it helped a little bit and she did show some improvement but after a while it really didn't work that well 
um, you know, after the first initial lessons. <laughs> and then it was again, like, um, sometimes it was frustrating for both of, both of us. And then we left for France for two months and like we said, okay, forget it. <laughs> Let's stop the program. Um, so we stopped and then, um, and in the meantime, like while we were in France, but I think even, even before that, like in the meantime, when we weren't doing the lessons, because it didn't take very long, it was like an hour a week and then 15 minutes every day. Um, she was, um, she's really into drawing and she was on deviant art reading lots of things and like there's these groups where you um you create um characters or like groups like that talk about characters and like all this um very detailed explanations of how your character has to look like and it has to have prehensive tales and whatever and like she was reading that you know pretty much on her own by by like by that time <laughs> so i was like you know why do i have to make her practice reading <laughs> stupid sentences like so that it, she sees yeah. only the when she's reading the, these things even if she's not reading all the words correctly like she get, she's getting the information that she needs and i don't need that and then she and i you know when we were in france um she was still doing her art thing and like and you know she started writing short stories too um for her care like as back stories for her characters and like she started doing all these things that you know <laughs> where i was like well, i mean i have proof anyway <laughs> that she's reading that she's writing i don't need anything like else <laughs> so um so and now uh, since we came back from france we've been back for about a month she started reading harry potter to me sometimes and like some days when she's tired she uh like she like um stops at the words and has trouble figuring them out but like she's pretty fluent really i mean like you know except for big words and so so that's that but i uh i don't know i guess like it was it was and it still is some days like a hard thing for me like something that i need to de-school more on and that was that was that i found uh that I found difficult to uh, <laughs> to not have anxiety about, <laughs> you know, like in like you know, but not at the beginning. It was like because she read late, but you know, because um, I tend to be an anxious person. Like I mm-hmm. think anything <laughs> like that would have been uh, would have made me anxious. Maybe like if it hadn't been reading, it could have been something else. I guess. <laughs> That's it. That that is that is a great point. And I love that you shared <clears throat> that story in detail, right? Because, you know, so often when like when I talk about um, you know, my kids' journey with reading and, you know, they were um my younger two were up ten, nine, ten, eleven, you know, hitting twelve before they were, you know, really fluent and and comfortable with it at some points. But um, when you're sharing little snippets, you know, you sometimes it doesn't come across all those moments when, you know, like you said, when, when you guys, um, when expectations maybe came up for you or even frustrations for, for the kids, you didn't, maybe you didn't really have that with uh, Linnea, but you know, I remember, 
well, when Michael at some point would be like, you know, I want to, I want to be able to read better. And there were moments, like you said too, it wasn't always, it wasn't like um, an overnight, completely fluent kind of thing. Cause I remember there were times when I would sit with him and, and say, just say, Hey, you know, can you read this? And, and he would read it fine. Um, it, it was pointing out where he was on the journey for himself because he wasn't like at the end. So for him, he was defining it as not reading yet. There were so many steps along the way, like so many things he could read. And it was just saying it was, we didn't even have a conversation per se about the definition of reading, but it was like, Oh, Hey, but you can read that. or You can read that. So, uh, you know, to, have such a a great example of of the whole journey, right? That it's not it's not um, about us stepping back and not being involved and just waiting for them to to do it. You know, maybe like you, some people and some people's brains are wired to just kind of pick it up, pick it up early, and off they go. But even like we were talking about right at the beginning, right? We're all individuals we're all so different <laughs> and to see how our stories even recognizing our own stories how different they are from how it's going to work out with our kids right you said you understood yeah. that learning how to read is a whole process and you're totally okay with that but you know your story was still kind of what you were expecting your kids to experience right yeah and also i think i guess like there are two things the first is uh, people say you know, what, what do people say when they mean the, when they say reading? I know that school, you, they say they're reading, but they're not really reading. But I wonder, like, even in, in unschooling stories, like when people are saying they're reading, are they really, are, are they really fluently, like every single words or are they still words? And that's what I think, like, because I'm <laughs> like, I like things that could be very precise. <laughs> I was like, but what do you mean he's reading? Like, and like, how does it compare? And I know like, like, that's also one of my biggest, uh, my biggest like de-schooling points is that like, you know, I tend to compare too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like, like, does it, like, does it mean that like they were done reading, like they were reading everything fluently, you know, at like whatever age or like, you know, like wh when were they reading? Like I'm reading right now, <laughs> basically. You know, you know one of the things that's so interesting because Harry Potter played a big part in our um, kind of reading journey too, certainly with my daughter. And um, so when we, first started unschooling that first year I was reading Harry Potter to them like a lot <laughs> at the time the first four books and the fifth book I think came out that year or whatever um and one of the fun things was when I'm reading it out loud them seeing me struggle with some of the bigger and and made up words and some of the you know latin based spells and and all that kind of stuff and even when we'd listen to the audiobooks hearing how different people pronounce the words right and then reading articles where JK would explain how she pronounces the words and it's different from somebody else you know to start really relaxing the hold of the definitions 
of of reading and to realize like the article I wrote about my daughter's reading, you know, I can read, you know, was that was a revelation for her because to her, her definition of reading was reading like an adult, like you're talking about, right? So, and that was one of the things I was careful with, with Michael was not to me to be trying to convince him, oh, you're reading. It's, it's completely theirs to own and their definition of, of what they, when they consider themselves to be reading or to be a reader. You know what I mean? And, and to see me struggling was to say, like, the definition of a reader is not, I can read everything perfectly and fluently forever and ever. Amen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there were just so many little components that, that make up that huge picture of reading, right? Like from how other people define it, because absolutely at school. And then I would see my eldest, Joseph, who was reading while he was at, before he left school. But, you know, the teachers didn't, I don't think they felt he was reading very fluently. They just had like those simple books, you know what I mean, for those younger grades. And I think he struggled more with those because he was bored or uninterested. Yet when he came home at night, he was reading video game walkthroughs, like 80-page printouts that we got him from the internet, right? (laughs) you know, that were written by teenagers and and adults writing walkthroughs for these games. So, you know, the malleability of the definition of reading (laughs) became quickly apparent. But but that's a huge piece of it, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess, I mean, because, again, of the political climate that we're in right now in Quebec, people Mm -hmm. were talking about, like, um, um, illiterate... uh, I forgot the term now, but like people who are literate, like they can read, but like they're, they can't read like enough to comprehension. Well, yeah, it's like, shoot. (laughs) Anyway, uh, she um, like, you know, people who can barely read enough to fill out forms. Mm -hmm. And I was at some point really worried that like, what if like she ends up being one of these people and like, you know, part of me especially now because she can read enough like part of me was like what if that's it and what if I don't know but like some of the other unschoolers are at that point (laughs) I don't know (laughs) that was (laughs) that was also like my my question I had to see it like you know and I and I kind of had to like take deep breaths and be like okay well we'll see and like and also you know I read um I read a book and I I meant to look it up but I I haven't about like uh dyslexics who like are famous well I mean it's about the dyslexia but like it talks a lot about you know some dyslexics who were who wrote novels and then this guy who's dyslexic so dyslexic that he can't read but he's going to law school and uh you know he just has a a reader so I was like, it was good to, for me to see those examples, <laughs> to be like, well, if she can't figure out how to read, at least, you know, she can still do things like that now with the technology that there is. And, like, and I think part of it, I guess also, like, she, she still has a lot of trouble spelling, but she'll, like, she, even without me suggesting it, she figured out a way to, to um, compensate for that by using Google. She dictate, <laughs> dictates things on Google. You know, and then it and it's uh, so it writes out 
but they are big enough to know that if if it mis I mean if it like <laughs> wrote a word that she mispronounced or whatever like yeah, yeah. misheard the word that she pronounced but um but then she doesn't have to struggle with the spelling so like she figured out tools to help herself you know and like sometimes when she can't pronounce words she puts them into google and looks for the definition and then presses the the speaker button mm-hmm. so that google will so she figured out tools to help her with that and so like that was also helpful for me to see well you know like <laughs> she she's figuring out things that work for her and like that, that she can use even if <laughs> she can, can never read <laughs> <laughs> I know but I think that is such a huge point because uh, here we are again individuals and how our brains work and how we figured out how we figure things out and make the tools that work well for us. Whereas like with your brother in school, those who he was and how his brain worked was considered wrong and bad and deficient. And he absorbed those messages. And like you said, those are still impacting. They impacted deeply enough on him as a person that you can see them still playing out now the effects of that playing out now whereas you know with unschooling it's not it's not about being a different way to becoming a perfect student you know even if it takes long it's not about it being longer whatever it's it's about you know understanding the that they are a unique person who who they are and and helping them you know learn and figure out how they mesh with the world and finding the tools to help them accomplish what it is that they're trying to accomplish so they're co- becoming more fully the person that that they are without or with as little baggage as we can p- pile on, like not pile on them, you know what I mean? So that, so that these using these tools isn't about a negative, you know, it's about them accomplishing what they want to, and they can do it this way and this way, you know, I can use Google and new, it, this can pronounce it for me. Oh, this can spell it for me, you know, and, and off we go. And I do what I want to do like that. Like you were talking about the person in law school, right? Finding different tools, you know, maybe, maybe I record lectures, maybe, you know, there's more and more audio books now, maybe there's, there's so much, you know, that um, dragon naturally speaking software, where you say things and it um, writes it out for you, etc. Transcribes it, there's the right word. (laughs) You know, it's, it's without feeling bad about ourselves, really is the essence of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, really, I wish that I had, I had been more relaxed because I do think that she still has like, <laughs> she still could feel my anxiety. And I really wish that I hadn't. And I feel like almost like, you know, I knew all about this before, like, <laughs> and I should have known better. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> it really is like so much. I was, um, Okay, what episode? It's the episode, a couple episodes ago with Maria. Um, and she was talking about how really, you know, for her, the big thing was was control, right? So maybe for you, the big thing was it was reading. Um, but there, there's going to be for, for everybody, pretty much, it's going to be like that one, the one big thing that 
encourages us to uh, investigate, dig, dive deep into ourselves and our self-awareness. You know, um, it's our journey and, and realizing it's so much about us and our work to do and, and how do we move through our anxiety? How do we dig into our anxiety and where it's coming from and how it's manifesting out in our, you know, day-to-day lives. And that's all about our, our learning and growing, right? I mean, we can't, we can't uh, avoid it. It, it, because like you said, they still absorb it. Even if we're trying not, <laughs> it, we have to do the work ourselves, right, to move through it. There's really no other, no other path through it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, um, that's, <laughs> that's going away from the topic of reading. But I, yeah. think <laughs> I, you know, because I started so early and because I have a problem with, like, wanting everything to be perfect, I have, like this guilt (laughs) that like, you know, I should have known better and I knew better, but I couldn't do better because I think some of it is like, it's just, even if you know intellectually, like you, you, you have to experience it and you have to make mistakes so you can, you can, you know, evolve (laughs) and there's no other way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's such a huge difference, you know, between the theory and seeing how it plays out in life and figuring it out. You know, um, I talk so much about how, you know, when you come to unschooling, giving it time, because there's one thing to read it and intellectually understand the philosophy and, and how it works and, and it makes sense. Right. But to see it playing out with the individuals in our lives, it's why I can I can do what we're at episode number one hundred and thirty three here. <laughs> I can talk to so many different people, and although the principles of unschooling are the same, the way it plays out in their lives is totally different and completely interesting. That's why I'm still excited, and people are still listening a hundred and thirty odd episodes in because. It's fascinating to see how it plays out, and still, there's nobody listening who who it's playing out in their lives exactly the way you're describing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's so interesting. Okay, so yeah, we probably should move beyond the reading question, <laughs> but I wanted to pull it up because, you know, reading was this one particular question, but it applies, you know, the process of working through whatever concern or question, et cetera, is similar. Okay, okay. Oh, another area people find challenging (laughs) is technology, computers, the internet, cell phones. We were talking a little bit about how Linnea uses that. And other electronic devices that are, they really are new to our culture, aren't they? And that can be really scary because change is scary for us. So I'd love to hear your experience around this particular topic. Okay, well, that one <laughs> was very easy for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> in that case, uh, the theory <laughs> really helped. But I was, uh, I mean, I've always been pretty computer savvy. And, uh, uh, you know, my <laughs> when I was 12 years old, my dad got um, an Apple IIc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my brother and I played the Olympic Games, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where you have to, like, press the <laughs> the space bar. But, to yeah, yeah, the- yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, so, like, he, I think, you know, he was excited about it, too, when he got us that thing. And, like, you know, we played freely on it. Although, like, you know, sometimes we play for hours. Although I don't think it was hours the way that people play on this thing <laughs> nowadays because it was only this game and, you know like yeah you get bored after a while but um <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was always like you know as soon as I could afford a, to buy myself a, a computer that was after university but like even in university I used the the computer rooms a lot I was there on there a lot like emailing people and going on the internet like at the beginning <laughs> of the internet yeah, yeah. and then so, you know, I was always really into computers. I had more trouble with TV. Well, when I when Linnea was born, we didn't have a TV and that was all my doing because I didn't want a TV in the house and I, I kind of thought, you know, it was stupid or whatever. But um, Tobias is really into sports, so I kind of feel bad for him <laughs> because, you know, although, I mean, he's also very sociable, so he went to sports bars to, to watch the games. It might not have been such a bad thing, but, like, so... Uh, but so I was reading on, you know, those discussion boards, uh, like Yahoo groups, and people were describing, like, you know, were asking the same questions as they're asking now, but yeah. 13 years ago, and probably even earlier than that. But, um, and so, you know, I was reading, and at first, um, at first I thought, you know, well, like, at first, I agreed with the people who were like, you know, it's bad for you and everything. But like, I, as I was reading, I could see the point of view of the other people. And uh, because Linnea was still a baby by that point, you know, like, <laughs> by the time I had read it, well, like, by the time she was like a toddler, I was already convinced <laughs> that I didn't want to restrict TV. <laughs> and, uh, but I still, I didn't go and buy a TV. I like, you know, and she was still not really interested thing that wasn't like that she couldn't touch and play with basically but um like when she was uh, about 15 months old she refused to get dressed and so I found uh, like a little cartoon online and I put it on the computer and like while she was watching I managed to get her dressed uh -huh. so that's like her introduction to the to media <laughs> so I could get her attention long enough to get her dressed and but you know like she watched and I got undressed and then we went out and like and we did things and like little by little like I'd found programs here and there that she could watch and uh, and so she'd watch like I'd be online reading on my computer and I'd like have a little window <laughs> on it with her cartoons and that's how, like for the longest before like a year about that's how we watched even more than a year I think um, you know, she, we had like split the screen in two and she watched with me while I was reading. <laughs> and, um, but we, you know, we went to the park and we did lots of other things. It wasn't like we were on there for that long because she, you know, she wasn't interested <laughs> in it for that long at this point. And then, uh, uh, and then it evolved from there. Like she, she, she really liked watching some programs and then she'd want to like, you know, like we watched Blue's Clues and so she wanted to draw <laughs> and then we watched like Dora and Diego and she wanted to dress up as like Diego and go rescue animals <laughs> in the apartment. And like, so I made her lo lots of costumes based on the shows she was watching because she always wanted to dress up as something. Um, and, um, and then, you know, like 
she was and then like i i introduced her to computer games because i thought computer games were awesome <laughs> and uh, i was never really a gamer but i had a boyfriend at one point uh, that like was really into video games and he was somebody who like was really well read and really intelligent but he was really into video games to like you know to have fun and like so he got into video games and i couldn't really never play them because i'm not that skilled but i always thought they were great you know fun and uh, and uh, educational even the ones that aren't made educational yeah. um so i introduced her to video games but she wasn't really into it for the, for you know because i introduced her to video games like when she was three yeah. <laughs> she wasn't really into them for that long and then uh, uh gradually like you know she watched a lot of shows and like while playing or bouncing on a trampoline or like <laughs> or like um uh, uh, playing with with animals or whatever yeah. but uh and um and then uh you know like some of her friends were into minecraft and she got into minecraft but that was maybe she was seven or eight and then she started like playing. Uh, so at first she played Minecraft when they were when he had play dates, and then she started using Skype so she could play Minecraft yeah. with them. And um, so um, and then like she. Uh, oh, another thing I wanted to say was like. So I've always really been into computers. So we travel a lot, but every time we travel, I bring my computer. And then when the girls had their computer, I'd bring their computers too. So we have always traveled with like our electronics because <laughs> I think it's important <laughs> for them to have <laughs> their electronics wherever we go. <laughs> and uh, and um, so the, and then Linnea was really into drawing but, and she watched YouTube uh, like draw yeah speed drawings mm -hmm. and uh you know and she found um she found um well the, in the speed drawings a lot of them of the people use paint tool sai so i got her paint tool sai and then like and then i got her a tablet so that she could draw more precisely and like and so now she's really into drawing with her tablet and she spends um hours a day <laughs> drawing on her tablet and and um and the thing that I realize now is like, so people, I mean, we do, we still, she's very sociable and, you know, and we're pretty active. We like going out to do stuff, but she can spend hours on her computer drawing and, you know, reading on DeviantArt, like making up characters and talking to people. And so she's on her computer a lot when we're not busy somewhere else. And I, and I actually like make sure that we get ch big chunks of time when she has time to be on her computer because she needs that time to, to draw, to think about her drawings, to look at other people's drawing. I mean, it's part of her, her creative process. And I realized that like, you know, the times when I worry because she's on her computer too much and, you know, she, it's not like the, the screen time that bothers me. It's the, it's the, like, she's inactive and she's just sitting there and I'm worried, like, she probably should go and, like, just get a break. <laughs> but, like, I, I remind myself that that's her, part of her process. Like, that's part, you know, it's like, there's a huge amount of learning going on and, like, I can't just be, like, limiting her. Um even to like you know 
like I can't limit her to one hour and sometimes I can't even limit it to three hours or I mean I, not that I want to limit it but like you know when I start being like oh my god she's been like we've been at home for three days and like <laughs> she barely like went out for a walk um so so yeah and I that's the thing that I see a lot of parents uh worrying about is like you know, what you call screen time. And I think if you see your computer in front of the screen and you don't see what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, with that screen, then, then yeah, you don't see, you, you're not seeing the really rich things that I have, that are happening and it's so limiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I mean, for me, for me, it, it hasn't been a problem, but I always try, like, when I when I see people, <laughs> I, like, talk really enthusiastically about what she's doing and how it's great and she's learning so much from, from you know, her time on the computer. And my uh, Xenia, who's nine, um, she was never really, like, well, I mean, she watches a lot of shows on her computer, but she, um, and she gets a lot of inspiration from YouTube, but uh, so Ksenia, as a little child, like, would never stay in front of the TV. Sometimes I wanted her to, like, you know, get leave me five minutes alone. But she would, like, after five minutes, she'd go away, get away from the screen. So, like, she wasn't uh, that interested in them. But now she's really into uh, Littlest Pet Shops, uh, those little figurines. And yeah, she yeah. likes customizing, customizing, customizing them <laughs> and... <laughs> And it's hard with my accent. <laughs> uh, and so she, she like, she'll go, she'll watch YouTube for a while and get an inspiration and go get her paints or, and like, you know, and, and customize a pet shop or she'll, she'll get like some craft things and go make uh, like some, like some accessory for her, for LPS. Like, and that's how, how she gets her inspiration too. So again, like it's just a very, very useful tool. <laughs> it's so true. You know, it's so important to see what they're doing there. Like, you know, an artist uh, years ago would be sitting around with their sketchbook for, for hours and hours sketching and, and playing with, with their drawing that way. You know, it's, it's just another tool that that Linnea can use for drawing right but but it, and her community is there discuss she can get that that is something that the that the internet has brought to us that we can find um people who are as passionate and as excited about something that we're interested in that you know it's not a big enough thing that you would find you know a dozen people geographically near you who are just as excited as you, right? Yeah. So I think yes. that we can, it, it's an opportunity to to connect and really dive into the things that we're passionate and interested and excited about. It's really great. But like you said, you're not going to see that if you just think they're sitting in front of a screen, right? You're not going to see all the interesting and different things that they're getting um, getting into and and enjoying through through that it's such a versatile tool isn't it <laughs> yes yeah exactly and the same thing you know when you think about uh, your other daughter um, 
doing costuming. Yeah. And, <laughs> and all those other things. Um, and, you know, and that would, that, that same, those same kind of skills and that same interest they would pursue through other things, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, maybe it was through dolls, right. And getting, hopefully finding some other kids, even, even a bit older who are still interested in, you know, sewing clothes for their dolls, making accessories, all that kind of stuff, you know? So, so it's not like kids are still doing what humans do, right? They're just using the new tools that happen to be part of our culture now to pursue them. It's not like, oh my gosh, you know, children aren't doing what they used to do. We have this whole, you know, generation of screen addicted children who, you know, it's not. They're just using these tools to do the same kind of things children always do when they have the freedom to dive into and pursue the things that they're interested in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, like at first, you know, when I was like looking up crafts and stuff, I'd go to the library and go get books. But then I realized, you know, when like that I could find all that and better on the internet. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, that's what, you know, they would have done if they had, lived before the internet is go to the library but this is like much more useful i mean not like you know it's just everything is there and you can find so many more things than because you rather than being limited to your local library yeah yeah and plus you you find people that way too right and you connect with with other people versus you know just you you and the book yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you have uh, you mentioned a trilingual, you guys, <laughs> and you and you travel a lot. Like even just in your stories, oh, we were in Australia and we were here, and then we came. Oh, okay, oh, that's one. <laughs> so I definitely wanted to touch on those topics. Um, and when we were chatting before, like emailing before the call, it was really interesting that you mentioned those topics together. Cause at first I was seeing, Oh, they travel and uh, they speak lots of languages. I, I knew cause you were translating to French for mine. So I knew at least you were very fluent in two, but anyway, so now I could, I could imagine when you mentioned it that, you know, you're traveling and there's different languages where you're traveling to, but it seemed like it was a little bit bigger than that. So I would be really interested to hear how you see travel and languages weaving into your lives and, and what the joys and the challenges are of all that. Um, okay. So, um, okay. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> they go together in my mind, especially because uh, the first thing that I read about unschooling was in that book that I told you about, about attachment. Par well, mm -hmm. um, Attachment parenting, well, like raising your child differently. It's called in French. Oh, okay. It's a French book, and um, it was um, like the experience. It was uh, the experience of a, a family who was unschooling in France, and they were bilingual or trilingual. They were like the mom was Spanish and the dad was French. I don't anyway, but mm -hmm. like so they spoke different languages. And they traveled, you know, and they, 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 she mentioned traveling to, you know, learn history. Like they went to Rome and they went, and that's how they learned about history. And, uh, you know, and I, 
so my, my dad lives in New Caledonia, which is a French territory um, off the coast of Australia. <laughs> and uh, my, I grew up partly in Tahiti like, because I moved there with my parents from France. And my brother used to live in Tahiti, but now lives in New Caledonia. And, uh, and, and um, Tobias is German. His parents are still in Germany. My mom lives in France, and um, and uh, we we ha- and, and and I traveled a lot as well. I like when I was well after I moved to Tahiti, I went to the U.S. to study. So I um, met. I have lots of friends in the U.S. and uh, then I moved back. Um, then I spent a semester abroad in Argentina, <laughs> and uh, like so, I have friends and like and and I and I lived in China as well. <laughs> so anyway, I have friends all over the world, <laughs> and uh, and family all of, like uh, you know in different parts of the world too, <laughs> um, and and in in parts of the world that don't speak where they don't speak English. Um, so anyway, like in my mind, when I read that story, I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is exactly what I want for my kids. Like, um, I I don't want to send them to school because I want to enjoy them. And I can like make their life rich by, you know, like speaking all the languages that we speak anyway. And, and Tobias, um, is, you know, speaks a lot of languages too. And we're both really into languages. So it was, it was like how I saw that. I was like, this is perfect. This is what we should do. So, you know, for me, unschooling was that, was like having fun with the kids while traveling and speaking lots of languages. So like, um, because I, I like, and you know, I mean, it's part of our life anyway. And we, we want to, we, we, we can afford it. And we, you know, because we couldn't afford it, we kind of feel bad. Like if we don't see, go see our family <laughs> at least once a year, well, sometimes less, but like, you know, we try to go see them often and like, so it's part of our lives and it's like, um, it's something that to me was like, well, this is it. This is what it's going to be like. But then, um, you know, when traveling with children <laughs> isn't always easy. <laughs> it's very different from traveling on your own. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, um, and, uh, and you know, the children don't always... I mean, my my girls, because they're used to it, like traveling, but sometimes they like being home too. And uh, I think, you know, part of it was realizing although I never wanted to travel full-time but part of it was realizing that I that there has to be a balance and that like we have to like and that I have to listen to them too and that I have to um well like we need to balance the needs of everybody and like even when we're traveling I try to not go see lots of places like and you know when they were really little we'd travel and then go to the playground (laughs) and that's all we saw in the city were like lots of playgrounds (laughs) and that was okay with me because I'm because I've traveled a lot I don't feel like I have to go to places and do all the touristy stuff or whatever Mm -hmm. I'll just follow my kids leads and I think it's like a great way like a great new way of of uh of um seeing a country and you know you meet kids at the playground and so that's like a great way of you know um discovering a new culture and like sometimes we even (laughs) one time we were traveling in new zealand and uh there was uh we were staying in a place in a village 
like a little city for five days and they had the school fair and we went to the school fair and then Senya, who was eight at the time, met a five-year-old and like she ended up playing with her and then her parents, her grandparents, well, her mom and her grandparents were there and they invited us over to their house. <laughs> and so for the next like two days, we hung out with that New ah! family from New Zealand. <laughs> and like, you know, we like that, that happens when you like, travel just for like but like you know then really take the kid well travel for the kids I want to say like well I mean we traveled for us because we wanted to see <laughs> New Zealand <laughs> but then like <laughs> we did things that the kids enjoyed <laughs> yeah 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 so that and that is that most they they were pretty good and happy to travel and for you the big the biggest thing was just incorporating their interests wherever you were right and considering what yeah. it is they want they wanted to do and then yeah, so, yeah yeah go ahead um i guess part yes that was so sometimes i've been i've been um um not excited about traveling because it takes a lot of work from me like mm -hmm. and and but you know and and part of me because it's my part of it is like I feel like this is part of our unschooling and so I I I I want to say I force myself but like you know I make myself get out of my comfort zone and say okay now we're going to do this trip we have to go see the grandparents and like then we can stop there on the way and uh, and so like Some of it is like I, you know, the, like I, I feel like I need to let go. Well, I couldn't get let go of traveling, but I feel okay. No, <laughs> let's start again. <laughs> um, I like when you're talking about your comfort zones, right? Because it's yeah. that yeah. is it feels like it would be something that would play you need to play with and that would change over time, like what people are getting out of the experience of traveling. And yeah, there's part of, you know, I feel like this time I want to stretch my comfort zone and like you said, force myself to do this because I know I'm going to enjoy the experience in the end. But also, like you were saying, you guys are also enjoying your home time as well. And then it was so interesting when you said this was part of how you were defining unschooling for your family. And, you know, the question of is that going to change over time? And, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting lens to look through life at. Uh, so it, I guess what I wanted to say was the... <laughs> Yeah, I like there have been times when it was me who was fed up with traveling mm -hmm. and and I had to be like okay, well, I want to stop traveling for a while, but then uh, you know, but be okay with that because it was so like ingrained in me that this was our traveling this was our unschooling that like I had to be like, well, it's okay. I mean, we do lots of things when we are not traveling anyway. Yeah. And I mean, we really, we only travel maybe three months out of the year. Sometimes, you know, a month here and two months there or sometime in a chunk of three months. Or maybe maybe four months if, if we put all the travels together. But like, yeah. we, you know, so there's like still 10 months 
like yeah something like 10 months out of the year when we are where we're home and the girls are doing regular activities and stuff but like and so you know i have to be i have to remind myself that it's okay like it's it's okay to like have a normal <laughs> life and, uh, yeah yeah and and like they they they're getting lots of things too and also to be like well you know we have to i, I want to um take that into consideration too uh, like not travel too much so that they can have time at home, relaxed, doing like regular activities, seeing their friends regularly. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially now that they're getting older and uh, Xenia, my nine-year-old, she likes traveling, but she really likes being home more than Linnea because she wants to have all her craft supplies so she can do yeah. stuff and it's not as easy. So like the, 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 like, being okay with being like, well, you know, we don't have to travel that much, <laughs> but you, and you know, like the kids, the girls also want to go see their cousins. And like, so, you know, there's this, we, we all want like, a, like it's, it's hard for all of us, I think to balance this, like desire to travel with desire to be home and relax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a great point too, because, um, and it's it's such a helpful thing for everybody at all at all ages to try and figure out you know what is it that I want to do and and want to do now that push and pull of different interests of of comfort zones of all those different things just really um challenges us and our self awareness right we kind of have to figure that out and figure out what it is that we're we're wanting you know, in that moment and and even like the push and pull of wanting to travel and wanting to see families and having that part of their lives along with, you know, having your craft supplies and and your, your good friends close at hand and all those things. So it's a, it's a great way to, it really brings those into focus, doesn't it? Different challenges. Yeah, and and uh, so to t- like and to talk about the other aspect, the languages, oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, aspect. Um, the the um, so we I started out speaking in well, speaking English to Linnea because at the time we were living in Belgium, and I didn't know where we would end up, and I wanted her to be fluent in English, <laughs> and uh, Tobias spoke German to her. And and Tobias and I have always spoken French together. So that's how the trilingual thing was. But, um, <laughs> and then we moved to Montreal and I figured, you know, she'll speak French. But like, she ended up not really understanding. Like, we, we met a lot of English speakers when we first moved to Montreal. And so she didn't speak French that well for a long time. And I don't even know if she understood it. But she, she understood German and she spoke some German. And then uh, and then my my mom and my brother and his daughter came to visit and she picked up French very fast. And then we had a French, um, we had a French neighbor who came over to play, what French speaking neighbor (laughs) who came over to play. So like she picked up French, but she does, so she doesn't speak it. uh, She speaks it with a tiny accent, like English accent, but she speaks (laughs) it pretty well. And, uh, and she, but she really wants to like be better at French. So like now that she's, um, you know, she's always made efforts to speak and like, she was really enthusiastic about it. And so like every time we go to, to see our, our family in France or in Germany, she tries to speak French or German. And then like, um, 
And uh, when when uh, like last year, she she started taking uh, conversation classes with a an, a German tutor, and she speaks to my mom half an hour a week in French, so like to keep up her French. And then we were in France uh, recently. <laughs> And uh, and they uh, they actually they went to a democratic school for two months because <laughs> Linnea wanted to practice her French, and so which was great because like you know she hung out with people for two months and her French improved a lot, so uh, so that was great. So with Linnea, like the languages part is totally like completely taking off and it's great and like um, you know even though like she speaks English better than the other two. Like she, she's getting there and she wants to get there. But uh, Xenia, <laughs> Xenia is really not interested. Like she is not interested in like learning other languages. And she was really fluent in French because we had au pairs when that, from France when she was little. Mm-hmm. And then, but then the au pairs left, well, like the au pair that we had left. And I don't know if it's that or if her language started, like her English started improving, like, rapidly and her French was kind of left behind but then she stopped wanting to speak French and it was like from that point on she was about four like she's been like really uh resistant <laughs> to speaking French I mean she, she but she'll speak it when she's she's very social so when, she, when we're in France she speaks French she speaks French to people who don't speak a word of English <laughs> but if she knows that the person is speaking English then she'll speak English to her and um and so, uh, so the traveling helps because, you know, we go to places where she has to, <laughs> she has to, I mean, she doesn't have to, she, she could, and I wouldn't force her to, but like she yeah, wants yeah. to because she's, uh, because she wants like her desire to interact with people <laughs> is, is, yeah. is stronger than her desire <laughs> to, not, to only speak English. But, um, but, uh, that's, that's something that I have to let go to of like, you know, the the we're trilingual thing (laughs) like i have to be like well it's okay you can just be like you can just speak english you'll get but you'll get by fine and like (laughs) and um and that's that but yeah that's that's um that's why i think it's another balance and of like like it's for me it's this in the same category as travel because it was like my in my big vision of unschooling Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was a big part of it and and now we are at the point where when I'm like well maybe you know maybe it won't be a part of her unschooling but it's it's gonna be okay (laughs) I really think that's such a big that's such a big piece of it you know because when we first learn about unschooling and and we envision kind of what our life is going to be like and and that's part of the process of deciding that this is something you want to do right I mean you have to think about how do I think it's going to play out how do I see it playing out to even decide it's a choice you want to try but yeah reconciling um you know, it's not even so much that you have expectations, like, you know, you're not expecting that they will all speak, you know, three languages and enjoy multiple languages and and just have an interest in that. But still, it's part of that just movie in our head that has played, uh, this is how it's going to kind of play out in our lives. And we just, we need to take that time to come to terms with, just teasing out what was our kind of dreams <laughs> and yeah. and the the children and the life that we actually have and and reminding ourselves 
how cool the life we have is and, and being grateful for that. And even sometimes it's just taking the moment to um, pick out all the good things. I know so often when I was getting caught up in the swirl of things and, and starting to worry about things and things weren't going the way that I was hoping they would go, you know what I mean? To stop and hang out with my kids and see the reality of my kids every day and to realize, oh, this is good too. This is cool too. And to get really happy to get to a good place with that helped um, me process away. Cause you know, those dreams were cool too, but this is just as cool. And when you can get in there, sometimes it's even cooler. You know what I mean? Because these are real people and these are real people that we love and, and the things that they are choosing is awesome are all awesome. Even if they're different than what I was kind of envisioning, but, but it, again, it's our work to do. It, it's not, not simple. Right. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely not simple. Definitely not simple. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, and I feel like you know this. Um, this is like if if I don't do this work, then then we're not gonna have the relationship that I want to have. And if mm-hmm. if I don't let go of these things, it's going to it's going to influence our relationship, and that's not what I want. <laughs> yeah, that's it's disconnecting, isn't it? Because we we keep almost um we keep trying to pull them even if you know we don't know that we're actively doing it but our energy our reactions our conversations it's like we are subtly trying to pull them closer to the path that we're envisioning and that's disconnecting to do the work to realize that the connection with them is more important and that that's ultimately our main goal keeps is what keeps bringing us back to to them and to connecting with them and to enjoying whatever they find interesting the things they want to do and um not being stressed about the things that they don't want to do <laughs> you know if they don't want to speak french unless they're in a situation where that's their only option if they want to communicate like you said it's not a requirement but these situations come up but then it's like okay i got to make sure i'm not creating those situations because i want her to make those choices right not artificially creating them yeah. but saying, okay, they come up once in a while, organically rather than manufactured. You know what I mean? Well, it was like our recent trip to Paris where they went to a democratic school. I like, I, you know, I was talking about it with, with Linnea and like, she doesn't feel comfortable traveling by herself yet. And, um, which is another thing, like if she wants to travel and we can't now, like now that she's older, like I traveled when I was pretty young too, and I'd be okay with her letting do that. But right now she's not. And so I felt like, like, you know, I, um, like I had to come with her. And so Ksenia had to come with us. And, but she, Ksenia was excited to go to Paris. 
because it's Paris, you know, because yeah. <laughs> she's heard about it. And so that went work well. And, and the democratic school, originally Linnea was the only one who was supposed to go there so she could speak French. And then Senya went and thought, oh my God, it's so cool. There are so many people. And she found teenagers who spoke English. And of course, they were so happy to have somebody that they could practice English with. <laughs> so, you know, it worked out. But then, and then there were other little kids who couldn't speak English. So she ended up speaking French with them anyway. <laughs> but I felt like, okay, well, you know, like she totally chose that. And then like it worked out and, it, the, you know, that she also got to use some of her friends, but it was <laughs> like me pushing her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Okay. Well, I think we've talked about your, the challenges on your unschooling journey for a while now. So I would like to pull it back to uh, asking you what your favorite thing about your unschooling lifestyle is right now. Uh, <laughs> my, favorite, <laughs> my favorite thing is, is having the time to, you know, just having time <laughs> to letting it all unfold, I think, and not to feel pressure. Though, I mean, like, I, yeah, I still like have my own internal pressure, but like I can let it go and, and work on it. But they, the kids don't have any pressure. And I see, you know, I see the school bus go like, uh, pass by my window every day mm-hmm. at seven or thirty, and uh, and every day I'm so grateful that we I, they don't have to be up. They're never up at seven thirty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they have the time to sleep as long as they want, and they have the time to be you know at home and like on their you know doing their own things like crafting as much as they want and drawing as much as they want and really exploring their passions, you know, fully. <laughs> And, um, yeah. <laughs> the time, yeah. Yeah, the time, yeah. And, and I love the way you described it, unfolding, yeah. right? Because that's that's the word that, for me, reminds me that to, to release the expectations, that I don't want to try and control and even, again, subtly try to control where they're going. But their lives are unfolding, and it's so exciting to see where they take them, where they go, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Bay. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry I made you dive into some of those areas, but it, it's really interesting stuff, and, and it's, it's all part of the journey. It's amazing, but it's, it's not simple, right? Yeah, well, I know it's that's the thing about unschooling. I get very, very excited about lots of things, and I get also very, you know, nervous about a lot of things. So it's, I mean, and I think it's good to talk about all of that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I love that. Thank you so much for doing that with me. So, where is the best place for people to connect with you online if they'd like to get in touch? Uh, I'm on Facebook a lot. I don't post almost at all anymore, but uh, you can get in touch with me <laughs> there. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. I'm on, yeah, Facebook, I guess. <laughs> Otherwise, I have, oh, and I have a blog, but I haven't updated it very much lately. But I used to update it a lot, so it has my our journey <laughs> from, like, the time yeah. Yeah, I was until... <laughs> Until yeah. she was, until last year, and maybe longer if I updated it again. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, exactly. I'd love to share links to uh, that, the, 
those blogs because you have a French one too, don't you? Yeah, I I stopped updating that one a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, so yes, but it's still I there, right? <laughs> no, yes, the one I mean, I have a blog where I post about our life, but I also have the blog of translations where I posted yeah. your translations. That's right. Yes. Yeah, we will put yeah. all that stuff in the show notes for people. <laughs> Thanks again so much, and everybody have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the third book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. De-schooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.